Welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can get at me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. If you leave a question inside your review of the podcast, I will answer them. You can also give me questions on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles or your own personal opinions on the NFL and I'll tell you if you are right or if you are wrong. Now this Aerohedotic podcast is going to be a little bit different in terms of the format. I'm not sure if you'll be able to notice or not the difference, but if you can, tweet at me and tell me what the difference is. And also, the podcast as a whole is going to go through a whole makeover, not the cover art or the location of the podcast, just how often it comes out. It'll be a three-day-a-week podcast from here on out. Uh, this week, we'll have this episode today on Wednesday and another episode on Thursday. Next week starts the three-days-a-week format, and next week we'll have interviews with two Arrowhead Attic contributors, one covering the NFL Draft and how the Chiefs might go about viewing prospects this year and, and using their draft capital to better the team given who the Chiefs are going to lose in the offseason and all of that. So that way you can get prepared and start checking out these prospects you know, here in the next couple weeks as they wind down their college season. The other, just, an, just a, a podcast again about the Chiefs previewing the Raiders game, talking about the season that was. A lot of fun things in store, as always, here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Of course, this podcast is affiliated with Fansided.com the Fansided Podcasting Network, and ArrowheadAddict.com. Last week, I wrote an article about the defense doing their job against the Tennessee Titans. And nobody seemed too thrilled about it. There were a few of you out there, thank you, who were logical, who actually read the article and not the headline, who realized that the defense did enough against Tennessee to win the football game. And if you listen to last week's show, that's pretty much what the whole thing was about. It's about the defense doing their job. Now, last week, the defense gave up 371 yards. Monday, against the Chargers, they gave up 438 yards. I don't care at all about how many yards the Chiefs give up. This offense should always be able to overcome yards. Nonetheless, yards do not equal points. Another misconception is that on Sunday against the Titans, the defense gave up 35 points. They did not. They gave up 28 points. The the offense fumbled the football and allowed them to score a touchdown. If I tell you right now, you can sign on the dotted line, and at that moment, from now until the end of the year, the Chiefs defense will only give up 28 points. I guarantee you, Every single one of you are signing that piece of paper. You're locking in that answer. You're wanting a 28-point cap because this offense should be enough to carry you over that hump. And against Tennessee, the offense was not good enough to overcome their own mistakes, and we talked about that last week. So shifting into this week, the defense stole the show yet again. The Chargers did not score More than three points on 11 drives. They went 11 drives scoring three points or less. And they only made three field goals. So you do the math from there on how many possessions that the Chargers went empty-handed. The Chiefs' high-powered offense was dreadful. 
in Mexico City. They went three and out on their first drive with a terrible punt, which set up the Chargers in field goal range automatically. Mahomes threw an interception after the offense went three and out again. The defense finally set the offense up for success when Honey Badger picked it off and got the offense within the 10-yard line. The bottom line of Monday's game comes down to this. The offense had one possession in which they were good. They didn't even hit their ceiling in that possession because that possession had so many things that had to go right for them in terms of almost fumbling. Fumbling but getting it back. They only had one possession in which you can look at the at the drive and say that was a successful possession, a very good possession. And they only had one highlight play, the beautiful Patrick Mahomes pass to Travis Kelsey. How often is that going to happen? Monday's game was the defense. The defense won them that football game. They played con- contra Jesus. They played complimentary football. There we go. And the defense bailed out the offense consistently throughout the game, including the last possession, which was the difference Sunday to Monday. The defense picked it off with four minutes to go in the game. A lot more time, though, than Sunday. Sunday, against the Titans, they picked it off, or they turned it over on downs, excuse me, with a minute and 50 seconds left, which should have ended the game right there. Instead, instead, we know what happened. The offense put them back on the field. They lost to the Titans. Monday, they pick it off with four minutes to go, and the offense punts it away with two minutes to go, giving, giving, giving Phillip Rivers two minutes to drive down the field. A lucky deep ball to Mike Williams set him up pretty well, but ultimately Dirty Dan picked it off with 18 seconds left, and the rest is history. I say all of that to say this. This team is still a Super Bowl contender. If you look at Chiefs Kingdom tonight on Twitter, just go on Twitter, search the hashtag Chiefs Kingdom, you will see many fans, media members, outside fans that aren't Chiefs fans or just NFL fans saying that this team is no longer a Super Bowl contender, even after a win against the Chargers. Why? I want to know if you feel that way. Why do you feel that way? Again, on Twitter you can find me at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. The defense the last two weeks has done their job. They've done enough to win the football game. The offense has not. They won one, they lost the other. So in two weeks that the defense pulled their weight, they went one and one. Let me take you behind the curtain a little bit. Sure, the offense only put up 24 points. Mahomes threw a pick. He had his worst half of football in his career in that first half. Tariq Hill goes out on the second possession. If I can take you through this, the playing conditions were terrible. On both sides, both sides had to deal with it, it looked like they were running through mud. Almost afraid or even could not cut on a dime the way you could on a standard NFL field, and that's on the league as a whole. They should not have been playing that game in Mexico City, especially after last year 
when it had to get canceled because the field was so bad. The field was, the field was not much better to, uh, Monday night, so I'm not sure how bad it was last year. If it was that bad Monday, how bad did it have to be last year for it to get canceled? Now, Monday, according to numerous sources, was a grade A level field. That's what the NFL considered to be grade A. And again, going back to the Titans game, which was the first game back from Holmes, they scored 32 points and looked inept. I wrote about that as well on arrowheadaddict.com. That 32 points became lackluster. If you look that up, you'll find the article. It was a lackluster evening for the offense against the Titans, and they scored 32 points. So between the playing surface and trying to get back in the groove with the first time that they've had their entire skill positions healthy against the Titans, they had a decent game and a below-average game. An average and below-average game for this offense. They went one and one The defense carried their weight. The only way I can think that this team is not a Super Bowl contender with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Tariq Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, we can go on down the list, is if you believe that this... That the offensive struggles the last two weeks are not are, are not correctable. I don't care what the offense did with Matt Moore. Matt Moore is not is not going to give you a clear picture of this offense. I don't I know about the Colts game where the Chiefs looked terrible against the Colts. Patrick Mahomes was a shell of himself against the Colts. He couldn't move around the way he needed to. They only got 13 points, I get it. Same thing against the Titans, against the Texans, excuse me. The Texans, he was a shell of himself. He didn't look that good. He was hurt. And then again, I don't care about Matt Moore. He did his job. He went 2-1 and one down the stretch. Of course, counting the Broncos game as one for him because you know he had to come in late in the game and, and really they could have folded in that game. But nonetheless... One and one if you want to, two and one, whatever you want to say Matt Moore did. Matt Moore did his job, but that was not at all what the expectation is for this offense. The expectation for this offense was to be historic. It was to be the greatest show on turf in Kansas City. It was to be the best offense we've ever seen. And due to some injuries to Tariq Hill, some injuries to Patrick Mahomes, they've been passed up by the Ravens in, term- in terms of the national spotlight now. The spotlight is on the Ravens and how great Lamar Jackson is. The same Ravens in which you put up 33 points and beat in Arrowhead in week three. My thing is, I don't see how you can jump off the contender bandwagon yet. I know as a city, Kansas City is always waiting for the other shoe to drop in every sport. Even... Kansas basketball, the most historically, the most historic winners in Kansas City, in that area of Kansas City. Of course, they're in Lawrence, I know, don't start tweeting me anything. But the most popular team in Kansas City, in the metro area, in the surrounding areas, KU basketball, even those fans wait for the other shoe to drop. Even those fans albeit some are more arrogant than the others, but even those fans are thinking, okay, well, which white guy is going to come come over here and shoot 15 threes and beat them in the, in the round of you know 32 or in the Sweet 16? And that's 
the most proven winner of the of the group of Missouri, K-State, KU, the Chiefs, the Royals. That's the most consistent winner of all of them. So I get it that you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. I, I understand from that standpoint. But do you really think that Andy Reid, for the rest of the season and into the postseason, will continue to call an offense that's built for, for Alex Smith compared to Patrick Mahomes? Because that's my biggest concern. That's the one constant between the Titans game and the Chargers game. And, and, I co- and I go back to the Titans game and no further because this offense has not been indicative of itself but besides the last two weeks. The Jaguars game, Tariq Hill goes out. The Raiders game, they have that second quarter explosion. No Tariq Hill. Nothing after that. And then from there, they just got, they just got increasingly more hurt from the offensive line. Eventually to Patrick Mahomes. Etc. The last two weeks, they've got the band back together. Against the Titans, it was getting all the skill position players back. Against the Chargers, it was getting the skill position players and the offensive line back. So I'm only looking at these two weeks for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the constant worry between those two for me is not the drop passes. It's not the overthrown passes. It's not even the fumbles. The worry for me is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes not seeming to be on the same page. Here you have a guy who's the MVP of the league, widely considered the best quarterback in football, even by the most starched media members, who refuse to give any young players credit. They are are resigning to the fact that Patrick Mahomes has surpassed every other quarterback in the NFL when healthy. And yet, against the Titans, when you're trying to ice the game, you design a play where his only option is Blake Bell. His option is not to make any magic happen, the Mahomes magic that we all got used to last year. It's not even to throw to Tariq Hill, and it's not even to throw to Travis Kelsey. It's to throw a screen pass to Blake Bell. Now, whose decision was that? We'll never know. Andy Reid will never throw his quarterback under the bus, and obviously, if it was Mahomes' fault, he's not going to say, hey, I'm the one that called that play, because if you know he does, and then the next time that this happens, he doesn't do that, then we'll know, okay, well, Andy did that. So it's almost like he's, by proxy, throwing his coach under the bus for, for future references. Nonetheless, that happening is the Titans, and you hear all week leading up to the Chargers game, Andy Reid took that loss to heart. Andy Reid is really beating himself up over that loss. You hear that all week. And then we get to the Chargers game. And the last stat, excuse me, the last pass that goes for, I believe, over 10 yards. I can get that stat for you right now from Joshua Briscoe, who is the one that brought it to my attention. Here it is. Okay, so with 10.57 remaining in the game, Patrick Mahomes threw a pass to Travis Kelsey for six yards. That would be the last pass of the game, not targeting targeting to a non-running back. So from the 10... 57 mark to the rest of the game. They did not throw a pass to a non-running back with Patrick Mahomes. Again, that was courtesy of Joshua Briscoe in the uh, the Athletic KC. If you don't know who that is by now, you're sleeping under a rock, but his Twitter is at JB Briscoe, the best follow in Chiefs Kingdom, I think. Here's the thing with that. 
When is Andy Reid going to unleash Patrick Mahomes? Because we didn't even have this conversation last year. Last year, we were so wrapped up in the MVP. We were so wrapped up in the 50 50 touchdowns. Andy Reid was lighting the world on fire with his offense and his quarterback. Now, it's as if he's pulling the reins back on Mahomes the more he progresses, the more he matures. Andy Reid has to unleash Patrick Mahomes in this offense. So I don't think the offense is broken. I don't think the offense is no longer elite. I don't think this team is no longer a Super Bowl contender. Here's what I do think. I think Kansas Cityans are worried, for waiting for what can go wrong. The self-pass from Mariota, the almost self-pass from Phillip Rivers on Monday. What's going to be the next way to lose a game? Ryan Tannehill bulldozing over your entire team. What's going to be the next way to lose the game in the most heart-wrenching fashion? So I get that, why you might be nervous. But let's take a step back and realize this offense still has the same players as last year, the same coaches last year, the same talent level as last year. Defenses didn't just catch up to that. It's the offense shooting themselves in the foot. Against the Titans, it was drops. It was overthrows. It was fumbles. Against the Chargers, it was Andy Reid not allowing the MVP to be the MVP, and it was also the playing surfaces. Now, the criticism is not all on Andy Reid. What people are afraid to say right now, because we're still in that honeymoon phase with Patrick Mahomes, and it's a little bit of that Kevin Durant energy right now with Oklahoma City and Kevin Durant in the early stages. I know that the NBA is not popular. We're going to get to that later on, actually. But if for some reason you remember the KD saga with with the Oklahoman, KD's entire career, he was babied and coddled by the media in Oklahoma City. So much so that the Oklahoman one time called him Mr. Unreliable in a headline, and they had to print a retraction and apologize to Kevin Durant. They wrote about his poor playoff performance in Memphis, And they wrote a retraction apologizing to Kevin Durant. What other place would do such a thing for a superstar? New York will rip you over one bad game, even if you're LeBron James. And I think that that's what the Chiefs fans, the Chiefs kingdom, the Chiefs media is falling into. That Kevin Durant syndrome. We cannot cannot speak negatively of of our superstar. We're lucky to have him in Kansas City. Well... It's not exactly how the draft process works, especially in the NFL. The thing is, Patrick Mahomes on Monday, really a few times, now, now again, this is it's not all on Andy or all on Mahomes. A few times didn't even let the play develop. He was just immediately checking down to the running back Alex Smith style. Now, whether that was by design or by Mahomes, we'll never know. But he didn't even let routes try to develop. He just checked it down. Now, that could have been coming from Andy Reid and telling him to do that. But it's a little bit worrisome. Not in the grand scheme of things, though. I think that that has more to do with the the playing field conditions. A little bit nervous on that knee in the sloppy conditions. The offensive line at that point was allowing more pressure than they were earlier in the game. And you never know how routes are going to unfold on that that field condition. it's, It's slowing you down. We thought going into it, maybe we can get an 80-yard bomb from Patrick Mahomes and the crowd will go wild. But his receivers 
were incredibly slow on that on that playing surface to where that could never have developed. But again, it also never developed to a non-running back after the 11-minute mark. That's where you need a little bit more consistency from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So here's what I think about all of this. To wrap it all up, to put a bow on it. The Chiefs are still a Super Bowl contender. In fact, I think they're still 1A or 1B to the Ravens. I think it's 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 the Chiefs or the Ravens. Which one are you going to pick? And we'll get to that in a second. They're still a Super Bowl contender. The offense is still elite. And the defense is going to do their job the rest of the way. And has done their job for the most part this season. I think and we'll talk about this next week as we preview the Raiders game, I think against the Raiders at home in Arrowhead at, at 345, that game got flexed to 345 if you didn't hear, the Chiefs will put on a show and let you know why you considered them contenders in the first place. They will score the most points that they have this year, have the most highlight plays that they've had all year, have the most yards that they have all year, they will absolutely dominate the media darling Raiders. That feels weird to say. Normally you do not connect the two, media and the Raiders as darlings. But they will absolutely dominate the Raiders. And here's why. Andy Reid is incredible his entire career after a bye week. His record is insane. You'll see that statistic floating around all week long from now until the Raiders game. His bye week, his post bye week record is, in, is incredible. His inner division record is incredible. And the Chiefs are in a position that they haven't been in a while. There's doubts about them. I don't remember the last time there was doubts about the Chiefs, maybe heading into that, that, that Titans game, the playoff game. You're thinking, well, Alex Smith and Andy Reid, we've kind of seen this show before. It's going to end the same way it actually did end. But even then, people were talking themselves into, no, this is a different Alex Smith. This is a different offense. It turned out to be the same offense. You know the drill. You know the rest of the story. But that's really the last time I can remember this team actually being doubted. So how do they respond to that? And again, getting healthy over the bye week, getting Kendall Fuller back, hopefully, presumably. Tyreek Hill is listed as day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Getting him back after the bye week. Some, most people don't think he's even going to miss a game. Bob Fesco of 610 Sports Radio says that he has sources saying it's it's incredibly minor and he won't miss the Raiders game. We'll see about that. I think that this offense during the Raiders game is going to put on an absolute fireworks show. It's going to show you why they are the team to beat in the AFC or at least neck and neck with the Ravens. And if they don't do that next Sunday, December 1st, against the Raiders in Arrowhead, if they don't do that, then we have problems. Then you can hit the panic button. You can sound the alarms. I'll get on this podcast and I will admit, okay, maybe this offense is not who we thought they were. Maybe this team is not who we thought they were. I think that that Raiders game is going to be the turning point. And we'll look back at this moment where people are questioning if they're if they're contenders. People are questioning if this offense is actually good or as good as we think that they are on paper. 
will look back at this moment and laugh after that Raiders game. I think that's the that's the game in which the NFL world will be reminded, Kansas City included, because again, a lot of Chiefs Kingdom has has hopped off the bandwagon for a second. They're going to be reminded, okay, oh yeah, that that's why. That right there is why we picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. Right there. One more thing from this game. Is Philip Rivers washed and is he a Hall of Famer? I think the first answer is incredibly easy. Yes, he is washed. He is no longer the quarterback he once was. Is he Eli Manning bad? No, not yet. And I think he should get out before he is. I think he should get out while he still can. And I don't mean that getting out alive, like it sounds. I'm not Mike Tomlin, who just makes incredibly incredibly strange military references for no reason regarding football. I'm saying he needs to get out before he's laughed at. He's a, he's a laughing stock like Eli Manning. You have people now who think Eli Manning was not only carried to those Super Bowls, but he was never a good quarterback, when that's just false. He was carried to those Super Bowls. The Super Bowls had a lot to do with those defenses more so than him. But he was... He was never a bad quarterback. He was never a bad quarterback. And that's what this has gotten turned into. So I hope for Philip Rivers' sake, he does get out of the quarterbacking business pretty soon. I think he's I think he's over the hill. I think this should be his last year. Maybe, maybe next year. Have a swan have an official a official last year going into it, one last ride, one last hurrah. D Wade style. Although I don't think he's as good as D Wade, obviously. Is he a Hall of Famer? I think this is a debate that they're going to have for a long time. I don't think he gets in on his first ballot. I think that he'll be a polarizing candidate. You'll have the subsection of voters who look at the rings and nothing else. You'll have the subsection of voters who look at the stats and nothing else. You'll have the subsection of voters who look at the stats and say, well, they were empty stats. He didn't do anything with them. I think that's an interesting case study is if, if he's a Hall of Famer. Personally, I think he's in the Hall of Very, Very Good. Not the Hall of Fame, though. Dan Patrick always talks about the Hall of Very, Very Good. And I think that that's perfect for Philip Rivers. He was very, very good. I never considered him an elite quarterback. An elite quarterback. A good quarterback, yes. An elite quarterback, no. I never have considered him to be elite. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I just don't. I'm sure that many of you do. And I and I don't begrudge you for that. I, I don't think that there is a true right or wrong answer. I think this is truly a personal opinion. Whereas if you say Raul Ibanez in the in, who just got on the MLB ballot is a Hall of Famer, you're just wrong. It's a, it's a dumb take. I don't think either side of this Philip Rivers coin is a dumb take. Whether you agree that he should be in the Super Bowl, excuse me, he should be in the Hall of Fame, or he shouldn't. I think he shouldn't. I don't, I don't think he's good enough to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he has the resume of a Hall of Famer. I think he has the resume of a very, very good quarterback. Let's get into the rest of the NFL now. Let's start by talking about the Ravens in our trip around the NFL. Everyone, everyone is falling in love with the Ravens. 
for good reason. They've been a, a flashy team. They have the defense after trading for Marcus Peters. It's got even better. They're now number one in every defensive statistic. They have a, an incredible defense. Lamar Jackson is on every highlight package the same way Mahomes was last year. Lamar Jackson is getting MVP love right now. Can anyone stop the Ravens? I think this is the honest to God truth. This is no bias involved. This is no homerism involved. I think the only team who can stop the Ravens is the Chiefs. And even the Chiefs will struggle with that. Because I think that the only formula to stopping the Ravens is what the Chiefs did in week three. You get up early. You get up by a couple possessions. You take away their ability to chew the clock, run the clock, run the football. If you can get up by two or three scores and make them feel nervous, make them feel uncomfortable with how long they're taking, and make them feel uncomfortable with running the football, and make them feel like they need to throw the football, you're going to beat them. But with that defense, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to do that. And I think the only offense that could do that in the AFC is the Chiefs. I think that we are destined for a Baltimore-hosted AFC title game between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Credit to the Ravens for getting there, and hopefully the Chiefs can overcome that, but I think that'll be the best game of the, of the season, round two of the Ravens and Chiefs, if we do get it, which I think that we will. I think that the Chiefs are the only thing standing in the way of Lamar Jackson in a Super Bowl. He said on draft night that he wanted to bring a Super Bowl back, or no, he guaranteed they would get a Super Bowl out of him in Baltimore. And they are looking really close to that this year. So can the Ravens be stopped? I'm not sure. But I think the best chance of it is the Chiefs. Again, I think that they are 1A and 1B. You can pick whoever you want to be 1A, and of course the other one falls in 1B. They are the two contenders in the AFC. I think we've gotten a little bit loopy about the Chiefs the last couple weeks with a not-so-impressive win Monday and a how-in-the-world-did-you-lose-that-game last Sunday. I think ultimately, though, ultimately we'll come around to it, just like last year and every year before that, how the Patriots were done. They're doing the same thing to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs snap out of it next week in Oakland against Oakland and Kansas City, and from there it's just a, a cruise to a eventual matchup with Baltimore. Speaking of the Patriots, are they done for real this time? I think that they are. I think that this team, being the Patriots, is not good anymore. And we're all afraid to say that. We've been burned so many times by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. The defense, while still good, has taken a step back recently. Tom Brady can barely get the ball over 10 yards. Not quite as bad as the last year of Peyton Manning, but it's getting there. It's getting there. People are afraid to admit that because he just has that killer instinct. People are afraid to admit that Bill Belichick might be out of it this year. But I'm not. I'm, I'm prepared and ready to say the Patriots are done. Usually I'm the guy who says, well, they don't look too good right now, but you just it's just stupid to, to, to put them out, to, to, to say that they're done, to rule them out. They're still the favorites until proven otherwise. I think it's been proven otherwise. If you remember earlier this year, Grant Tuttle, who was on the podcast, 
and he predicted that the Bills would win the the division. Well, I don't think it's going to be that far. I don't think that the Bills are going to win this division. I think the Patriots are still going to win the division. I think that the Patriots are done in terms of being a Super Bowl contender or even an AFC Championship contender. I don't think that the Patriots make the AFC title game. That's the hot take, or I guess it's not so hot anymore, but that's the take right now that I'm prepared for all of you to send to Old Takes Exposed if we're still going to do that in 2020. Old Takes Exposed on me calling the Patriots done as of November 20th. Last on our trip around the NFL, is it time to move on from Mitch Trubisky? I think I think the answer is simple, yes. I think too often teams view their quarterback and want to give them more time, more time, more time. They invested a ever-so-precious first-round pick on them, and they want to just cling to any sort of hope that it might turn around, it might pan out. If Mitch Trubisky cannot get it done in, in Matt Nagy's system, which is birth from Andy Reid, he's done. He's not a good quarterback. And at the time, that was, that was, outside of Daniel Jones, one of the only times in which you said at the time it was a terrible pick. Most people did. I was one of them. Why in the world would you draft Mitch Trubisky with Deshaun Watson on the board, with Patrick Mahomes on the board? In real time, I was saying that, and many others were saying that. Why Mitch Trubisky? And it, it backfired. It's a, it's a terrible draft pick. He's a terrible quarterback. And he should not be in the NFL. So here comes our first new segment of the podcast. And that is a trip around the NBA. Here's the thing. It's been proven that in Kansas City, the fans hate the NBA for whatever reason. It's been proven that when you talk about the NBA on Kansas City-centric shows, be it radio, be it podcasting, you lose listeners. But I don't care. And here's why I don't care. One, it's a podcast. So if you don't want the NBA segment, skip past it, please. You have options on all of your platforms to skip ahead 30 seconds. Do that a couple times. We'll be done talking about the NBA. And back with Chiefs Talk. That's one reason. Two, I truly and firmly believe that the NBA is going to expand to 32 teams. I think one team will go to Seattle. They'll bring back the Sonics. I think the other will come to Kansas City. And you want to be prepared for the NBA in your city with our trip around the NBA. Once a week, five topics regarding the NBA from now until forever. This is a brand new segment on the podcast. We'll see how it goes. First up on the agenda, Carmelo Anthony is back. After being cut around this time last year and not signed again from the Rockets, Melo is back. He signed with the Portland Trailblazers in his first game back last night against the Pelicans. He had the most mellow game of all time. Carmelo Anthony posted 10 points on 4 of 14 shooting, 4 rebounds, and 5 turnovers. Not quite the answer Portland was looking for. The worst plus-minus on the team, bad defense, inefficient turnovers. 
That sums up Melo in 2019. I think Portland still makes a move after signing after signing Melo. I think they still need to go trade for maybe a Kevin Love, who's a hot name for them. Maybe a Delano Gallinari from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Maybe get somebody else because that wing depth is not getting any better, especially not with Melo. Although, of course, do not cut Melo after one game. Let him have some time to grow, but it's not looking good right now. He's looking like the same old Melo. LeBron James earned a triple-double last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder giving him a triple-double against every single NBA team. The first player to do that. Russell Westbrook had the chance to be the first player to do that a couple weeks ago when he took on the Thunder for the first time in his career. Fell about, about I believe, two or three statistics short of a triple-double. He'll have another chance on January 9th whenever he visits Oklahoma City for the first time. Again, the Rockets hosted that first meeting against the Thunder. He'll travel to Oklahoma City for the first time in his career as an opponent on January 9th. This topic is a little bit selfish. The Mavericks are really good. I just want to say that. Luka Doncic is incredible. The Mavericks have a great bench. The Mavericks are going to make the playoffs. The Mavericks are going to make some noise in the Western Conference. And I'm very, very excited about it. If you want more Mavs takes, you can follow me at, at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-E-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Mavs, NBA, NFL. I've got you covered there. It's, it's, the, it's the place to be. Number four. The Bucks are going to go with their city jerseys being a cream jersey that in script across the chest says Cream City. Interesting. Of course, this is a play, I guess, on their dairy production and whatnot. Not a big fan. Not a big fan at all of these jerseys. The 76ers have a cream jersey as well with Philadelphia in script across the chest. I like that jersey a lot. The 76ers always do great with their jerseys. Speaking of the 76ers, last topic. The fans in Philadelphia are already turning on Ben, on ben Simmons. He won't shoot the jump shot. He's causing them to have a constipated offense. And fans are rioting in Philadelphia, as you can expect. They don't have a lot of patience in that town. I don't think it's time to, to trade Ben Simmons. You just signed him to, a, to an extension. I don't think it's time to give up on Ben Simmons, obviously. I think he's still an all-star level player. He won't make the all-star team this year, I don't think. But he's still that caliber of a player. I think, though, if he can't figure it out this year on, on the shooting thing and, and the spacing the floor and making that offense work a little bit better, if he can't figure it out this year, it's going to take some real soul-searching in the offseason because this 76ers team should be in the NBA Finals. They are that good. They are that talented. They should be in the NBA Finals. They should win the Eastern Conference with no problem. But it is relying on Ben Simmons, and he just seems to refuse to change his game. And I, I really just don't think that he's going to change his game. I think that this summer we might we might see him get moved. But in season, no, he won't get moved whatsoever. Uh, and that concludes the first trip around the NBA. Let me know your NBA takes if you want to, again, at Ryland underscore Styles. And now we've given a diversion. That's a real segment. It'll happen every week. But if we did lose lose listeners for the NBA topic of the day, the trip around the NBA of the day, we can now talk about Colin Kaepernick in peace. The Chiefs did attend Colin Kaepernick's workout even after it was moved from the Falcons facility to a local high school and streamed live for public consumption. Here's the deal with that, first of all. 
The NFL was asking Colin Kaepernick to sign a basic waiver form. It was nothing out of the ordinary. Every single time that you hear that so-and-so is going to attend a practice for the Chiefs, is going to work out for the Chiefs, they need to sign that same waiver. A pra- Just saying a practice does not guarantee you a spot in the NFL. All we're doing is taking a look at you and, and seeing what you can provide. We're not saying that you're for sure going to get signed by the Chiefs or by anyone else. So he wouldn't sign that waiver. The NFL did not want it filmed, did not want it broadcasted. Colin Kaepernick wanted it broadcasted, so ultimately he changed the location last minute, went to a local high school. The Chiefs still attended, although some teams did not. Some teams sent their officials there, the scouts and whatnot, to Atlanta, got to the facility, realized that Colin Kaepernick had changed the location and left and and didn't even attend the practice at all in the high school, which I think is stupid. I think once you've you've allocated resources to this, you might as well just travel however far it is to that high school. It sounded like it was within the area. I don't know Atlanta all that well. I don't know Atlanta at all, actually. I did watch the practice. He looked good. He looked like he should be a backup quarterback in this league. He didn't look like a starting caliber quarterback at all. And of course, in Kansas City, no one looks like a starting caliber quarterback when you have Mahomes. You're not looking for one. But he did look like He should play football in the National Football League. He looks like he should be a top-tier backup quarterback. Now, does he want to be a backup quarterback? It sounds like it. It sounds like he does in the way he's saying that he'll play for anybody, anytime, anywhere. That could all be just a public persona, a public front. Maybe he doesn't feel that way. Maybe he only wants to be a starter. Maybe he only wants to play. But looking at his admittedly shaky tape, because not in the terms of production of him, but just the production of... Of the, of the broadcast, they had terrible angles of him throwing the football. You'd see him throwing it, but you wouldn't see how the ball actually left his hand and, and, and where it went. And then sometimes you'd see where it went, but, would, but wouldn't see how he threw it. It was a mess. But nonetheless, he looked good. He looked like he could be better than Matt Moore if Patrick Mahomes does go down. Are the Chiefs going to sign him? I don't think so. I think that they did their due diligence they might sign him in the offseason, but they're not going to do it in season. I don't think that they even sign him in the offseason, but they're especially not going to do it in season. Matt Moore has already learned the playbook. He's already learned the system, and he's proven that he can be serviceable. So it's not worth the distraction right now when, when people are already questioning how good your team is to bring that added distraction in. But I could see this being a an offseason move that Andy Reid makes. Andy Reid has brought Michael Vick in for a second chance, Tyreek Hill... For a second chance. He would have brought Kareem Hunt back for a second chance. But Kareem Hunt lied to him. I think. That Colin Kaepernick could be signed by the Chiefs in the offseason. Again it's not going to happen. Between now and the end of the year. And I think that it might be a good move. I mean I think he's better than Matt Moore. I think he's better than Chad Henney. I think he's better than whatever backup quarterback. That you might roll out there next year. And we just saw it with the Eagles. They, lo- they lose Carson Wentz, who is on on pace for an MVP season, and they still go to the Super Bowl with that with that great all-around team. The Chiefs have a, have a good all-around team, a good offensive team at the very least, in which if you have a good, court- if a good backup quarterback, you can still ride if Mahomes gets hurt. And it can happen. Mahomes got hurt this year. He's not superhuman. It can happen on the most freak plays. Who would have thought that quarterback sneak would take away a couple weeks from him? When Andy Reid called that play, he never would have imagined that Patrick Mahomes would have got hurt. So you have to be prepared. I'm glad that the Chiefs did their due due diligence. 
Not that I'm overly on one side or the other on this on this topic about Colin Kaepernick. Not that I'm just a a sunshine pumper for Kaepernick and, and just desperately want him back in the league. But I think that you always need to do your due diligence. You always need to look under every rock and any way you can get an advantage, you need to take it. And they did. And I think that, again, Kaepernick could be a, a good option for them in the offseason. A little bit too much to bring him on right now, though. Especially when he has no shot at even playing this year, barring a Patrick Mahomes injury which could be reason enough to bring him in on the flip side of that. If you want to play devil's advocate, you know, if, if you want to say, well, Mahomes has already gotten hurt. He's already hurt that ankle multiple times this year. What if it happens again? Then you can turn to him instead of Matt Moore. Again, I think that Matt Moore is too far ahead right now. He's too far ahead to lose that job because he, he even was behind the eight ball for a while after Chad Henney got hurt, but he's way too far ahead in, in learning the system and Andy Reid feeling comfortable with him. But in the off season, I could see Colin Kaepernick landing in Kansas City. One more broaden NFL note. I did not include this in the trip around the NFL because, frankly, it's it's just too stupid. Bleacher Report reports that... That was funny. Bleacher Report reports that Marvin Lewis is seen as a top candidate for multiple teams. Marvin Lewis is totally going to be the, the head coach of the Redskins, isn't he? I hate them. I hate the Redskins. And, I, and Marvin Lewis is a terrible coach. He is the worst coach, one of the worst coaches I've ever seen in the NFL. He has no idea what he's doing. If if the Redskins or any other team hires Marvin Lewis, they should be banned from making decisions in the National Football League. That's just stupid. This better be a, a fake report from Bleacher Report. They better have gotten fooled. They better not know what they're talking about. Because that's just dumb. That's, that's really just dumb. If you think Marvin Lewis... In 2019, 2020, 2021, or at any point between now and the end of time, should be an, an NFL head coach, I don't know how to help you. I really don't. And I don't know what you're watching. Because it certainly was not Bengals football from his tenure. He's an awful coach. Again, please leave a review on this podcast. If you have a question in your review, I'll, of course, answer it on the podcast. You can tweet me your questions, your NFL opinions, both Chiefs and otherwise, at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We have a new format, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Three days a week, starting next week. This week will be two days a week. Next week we'll get three for the holiday week and, and, and all the way throughout the rest of the season and the off season and the rest of time. I'm so excited about this new format that we're doing the new volume of shows that we're doing. I love talking to Chiefs fans, talking about the Chiefs, talking about the NFL. So thank you for coming on this journey with us. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. That's a part of the Fan Side of Podcasting Network and ArrowheadAttic.com. Again, one more time, follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And tomorrow, we will preview the NFL slate ahead with no Chiefs on the docket and also hand out NFL awards. That will be a fun show tomorrow. I hope you come back for that. I'll also give you a ton of winners, as I always do. If you took my advice last week, you'd be a pretty rich man or woman. I'm just saying, you're going to want to tune in and find those locks of the week from me next week. For, excuse me, for this, for this upcoming Sunday. Anyway, I botched that a little bit, but nonetheless... Tomorrow, NFL preview. Next week, we'll have the Raiders preview, as always. We'll have two interviews and two special episodes next week. It's going to be fun. 
Again, leave a like, subscribe, review. You know what to do down below at whatever service you're using. And again, get at me on Twitter and follow Arrowhead Addict on Twitter, also at Arrowhead Addict on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter at Rodman underscore Styles. So be good and be good to one another. We will see you tomorrow for the NFL preview.